Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I'm your host, Jordan Prince. I am writing solo today. Uh, turns out my schedule and most schedules are getting pretty crazy, at least this week. So, uh, hello, Mo, and thank you for still being able to um, produce this episode from your home. Wish you a lot of luck this week with all the things that you got to get done. And it's a shame you can't be here with me, but uh, I'm still going to try and bring you guys um, an interesting show the best that I can from my home here in Munich. Man, it's been such a crazy week. It's been a really, really full um, last I don't know, I guess like five to eight days or something. I, I don't know. I, these little gaps of time feel so delayed and strange sometimes. Where I think I have a really bad grasp on time in general, at least like past time. Whenever I talk about something that happened, um, sometimes I'll say, oh, wasn't that just like last week? And someone will say that was three months ago. And sometimes I'll say, wasn't something like last year and they'll say, no, it was just um, two months ago or something. So um, I really have a bad, a bad sense of time. Um, But, oh yeah, I did want to make one comment before I really jump into the topics I want to cover today. And one of them is a correction from last week's episode with Eileen. Um, On the phone call with her, I talked about the languages and the culture from New Orleans and you would think, coming from there, I would have known better, but I uh, said something wrong. Um, I was I mentioned that uh, Afrikaans is spoken there, and that's not true. I got my African languages confused, and you know, learning that this is, you know, only spoken in South Africa by the Dutch and stuff. That's not the case in New Orleans at all. Um, I, I think I was probably trying to talk about more Haitian and Creole languages. So excuse that. And otherwise, uh, I, I want to talk about this crazy day I had yesterday. So I've mentioned before on the show that I have to do this, um, this driving lesson or these, I'm, I have to start taking driving lessons to, to get a license here in Germany. And when you start the whole process, they tell you that you have to take what's called an Estehif course, like a first aid course. And it's funny too, because that that's put into the school systems here. And I think most people have had to do that at least, at least one time. And to get a driver's license, it, it's mandatory. And it's crazy too, because usually it seems like these things are, are split into, you know, three days or even a week of lessons with some guy who, you know, I imagined going into it that it would be a, a, a course where, you know, you take some special, serious, dedicated time to learn CPR and like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation after someone's drowning, or you practice like, you know, very detailed road safety. And we covered some things, but um, let me just start from the beginning. <laughs> Basically, this was a class um, that I'd, I had already tried to go to, but it was too full. It was, um, I went not last Saturday, but the Saturday before that. 
And on the note, uh, on the sheet of, of like the registration sheet, it says first come, first serve. So for those who don't know what that means, just because of English, maybe first come, first serve means like there's no appointments, there's no reservations. If you show up and the class is full, then you don't get in that day. And the class is already 75 euros. So, you know, it's not great that you can't hold a spot down on a day that makes sense for you. So, of course, more people are going to try and go on a Saturday because they have work. Well, I tried to go on a Saturday and I thought, you know what? First come, first serve. Let's be smart about this, Jordan. Let's go in there 45 minutes early. Let's really lock this down. Let's get it out of the way so you don't have to worry about it anymore. 45 minutes early was way too late. It was completely full, a packed room, people standing outside. It was uh, really crazy. I popped my head in the door and I asked the guy, like, is it already full? And he said, yes, um, it gets very full very quickly. Sometimes people wait over an hour. Two guys were here waiting already for two hours before. And I thought, oh my God, the class is seven and a half hours long. So... On Monday of this week, uh, yesterday for me now, I I went, I had I had to get it out of the way. So I thought, okay, I, I definitely want to get this over with. I don't want to be turned down again. So I'm going to go there two hours early and guarantee it. Um, and of course, it wasn't as full as it was on a Saturday, but it still was full. And there were people turned away, just not as much as on Saturday. So I was there at 11 a.m., this poor other guy, this really nice guy, Josep from Brazil, he was there um, since 10 a.m. So he was he had the longest day out of everybody, longer than the teacher. So I got there, met this guy, Josep. We talked a bit at the door, and um, then we both just had our breakfast, and and you know he made a phone call and stuff. I listened to a podcast, and then finally around like noon. The teacher shows up and lets us in, so thankfully we can get out of the cold. It was also kind of raining a little bit. And then we just sat inside and talked to him for a while, and then we ended up also just going back to our devices, and, you know, I was listening to to this Reply All show and making plans for, you know, this week because there were some some things that I couldn't do now that I'm stuck in this, in this place. And people filed in. Um, I think in total there was one, two, three, there was four Americans, including me, three girls and me. So that was surprising. Um, there was a couple of Indian guys, a Turkish lady, a guy from Morocco, and I'm not sure where the other one's from, but I I think it was 11 people total. And then, oh my God. And then the teacher started. It was uh, the same guy who was there when I got turned down that Saturday. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry. And he was, um, I think, 50 something. I'd say like early 50s. And his name was Reinhold. Reinhold. And um, I'm going to go through here on these notes some of the things that I wrote down. I called them Reinholdisms. Because he was an absolute psychopath. And here are some things. So it started off kind of normal. You know, if it's an, it was a nine and a half hour day with these little corona breaks to clear the air out. And he gave us half an hour for lunch at 5.30 in the evening. Um, but basically, it was from one o'clock until 8.30. 
and it started all pretty normal. He had a little bit of a funny twitch, like the way he blinked was kind of funny and he had these dark, dark, dark rings around his eyes. But he was a paramedic and he was doing the course in English. So, you know, I was just thankful that I could take the course in English and just get it over with. And at first he shows, you know, a couple of uh, PowerPoint slides and he shows us this website where we can download the slides and, you know, get the extra information if we need it for, for example, our driving test or something. And at first it all seems pretty straightforward, but that like one of the very first things that he talked about that really surprised me about Germany's view on safety and, you know, taking care of one's neighbor or taking care of, you know, your, your own society. Um, it, there's a thing that's like, if you witness an accident, you, you have to stay there. Like if you, if you see a car accident or you see someone have a heart attack or something, and maybe you're the one who calls the police uh, or the ambulance, or or maybe you're just there and, you know, you're part of the scene kind of, you have to stay there until the police excuse you. Like if you ignore a crime, if you see something happening and you, you know, neglect it or you just pass by or something and you didn't inform anybody of anything going on, um, that's a, that's a crime. That's a federal crime in Germany and you can go to prison for three years so leaving the scene is a crime. I didn't know that. There's a, a term I learned called Fahrerflucht, Fahrerflucht, like dr- fleeing, fleeing the drive. So I'm not sure how to translate that directly, but it's like fleeing the scene. And that is, leaving the scene is illegal. Um, doing nothing is not considered first aid. That that was kind of a funny way for him to say that. But anyway, I'm not going to go down like all the notes and just teach you the stuff that we went over. It's not that interesting. And most of the stuff is really common sense. You know, there's a few things that were helpful, like, oh, how to, you know, appropriately check for breathing. And, you know, in German, you can't, you know, you can't give someone medicine. That's a crime. You have to, only a doctor can approve that sort of thing or whatever. One interesting fact I did not know was that calling 911 works worldwide. So if you, you know, if you're in Europe, you can call 112 and it goes to the local dispatcher, but if you're just traveling around and you're from the States and you can only, you don't know 112, you can call 911 and it just connects you to that 112 number. So that's kind of cool. And we talked about defibrillators and stuff. Okay, so basically we get into um, some pretty interesting information, but what I'm noticing throughout the first couple of hours is that the way Reinhold talks and the way he gets kind of on these tangents is, I want to say very interesting, but I also mean to say absolutely insane because he had this behavior. Like he, so what he would do is he would find, he would try to relate the topic he's coming to you with through a completely, completely uh, unconnected example where you would never, ever, 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 ever put the two together until he finally gets to like the smallest little thing. And you go like, oh, that's what he means by that. Like, for example, he was talking about pressure on the chest during like a heart attack. And he started the the topic of this with, oh, uh, who in here is from India? And then two or three people raised their hand. He's like, you guys just had a big uh, a big holiday recently. You know, this is completely out of nowhere. 
And so they're like, what? A holiday? I don't remember. Do you remember a holiday? I don't really remember a holiday. And he, and he gives the name of the holiday. And I don't know it personally. And the guys were like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we normally have this, but we didn't have it this year because of Corona. And he's like, yes, but of course, normally you have this holiday. And something to do with the holiday, maybe we can look it up later, but it, it has to do with like an elephant sitting on the chest of a woman. I don't know if that's something they still do or if it's just symbolism or something they did a long time ago. But oh, an elephant sitting on a woman was what he introduced to the room of strangers. So, of course, we were all really, really confused by this. And then he was like, what do you think the woman having an elephant sit on her chest is feeling? I was like, I don't know, panic? I don't know. Someone else was like, uh, not much because it's going to be over pretty fast. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, pressure. And he's like, ah, pressure chest pressure. When you're having a heart attack, and I was like, why would you go to an elephant sitting on a woman to get into pressure in the chest? Why don't you just start that topic with, when someone has a heart attack, they feel pressure in the tre- in the chest normally, or pain in the left arm if they're a man, or, you know, like, there's so many simpler, just cut it, like, cut to the chase sort of ways to introduce this information, and he just didn't have, like, a cell of that in his body. Another crazy example of how this guy talked we were in the room and he said, um, he was talking about driving and he said, um, he said, I want you guys to talk with a partner about the checklist that goes through your, I mean, this is verbatim. I know that I put on a little bit of a show sometimes for the podcast, but this is a verbatim situation. He says to the, to the class, I want you to picture uh, a checklist in your head of what you do if you're driving up to a complete stop and then you cross the road. So, of course, in my head, I thought, well, you've already set the checklist. That's exactly what you do. If you're approaching a red light or a stop sign, you drive up to it, and then you go. You know, so part of me just didn't get at all what he was trying to get out of this. Before we can, so all of us don't understand the question. There's uh, there's all these little murmurs and like whispers going around like, I don't understand what he's talking about. Do you understand what he's talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. And then he goes, oh, sorry, my phone is ringing. I have to take a call. So he steps outside of the room for like 30 minutes. And at this point, I just addressed the room openly. I just turned in my chair to all the other 10 people and I said, does anybody understand what the hell he's talking about? Does anyone understand what this question means? Is he asking us what, what we do to stop at a stop sign? Like what we actually do with our foot on the brake? Or does he mean like, does he want us to like leave in these little details like, oh, consciously, you know, slowing down the acceleration depending on how many meters are left between the car's position and the, you know, like what is he wanting us to, to break down? And someone was like, oh, I think he said something about turning. And so we thought, okay, maybe he wants us to talk about, you know, turning, using your blinker at the stop sign and looking for other cars, looking for bikes, looking for pedestrians, you know, turning right, whatever. Like maybe he said something about stopping and then, and then turning. And, and so he just wants us to, to, you know, like for people who have never driven a car before, and also for people who have mostly never been inside of a car before. I feel like this question was just meant for people who are just learning that day what a car is. 
And so we didn't get it. We all kind of made fun of it. We all just bullshitted around. And then finally, he comes back in the room. And the first thing he says is, sorry, that was a dispute with the police. We always have problems with them. And then some guy in the back goes, who's we? <laughs> I was like, yeah, who, who's we in this conversation? And he said that paramedics and police are always fighting. Thought, okay. And then, and then he, he sat down and he crossed his arms and he was like, so who's the team that wants to kick us off here? Who wants to try and explain to me the checklist? And I, 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 we, no, no one said anything. And so I just, I just raised my hand. And they were like, I, I raised it really slow. And there was like a couple of chuckles in the room. And I said, um, I don't know exactly what you wanted, but we took a good shot here. I was like, just for the sake of keeping things interesting, I'd like to try. And, and he goes, okay, why don't you explain the checklist to me about what you do when you stop and, um, you know, crossing the street. And I said, well, um, just to keep, just to make things interesting, we assumed you wanted us to turn. So I said, you know, you you slowly ease on the brake, you know, approaching the stop sign, and if you have to get into the right lane, you check your blind spot, you check your mirrors, you turn your signal on, you approach it, and I'm just going and going, you know, talking out loud, and I say, you know, and then you check for bicycles or whatever, and then you start to turn, and just as I get into this description... He cuts me off and he flips out and he's like, no, this doesn't make any sense at all. What would you like? What are you guys talking about? Don't you understand the question? Don't you understand what I mean? If you're approaching and if you're approaching a car accident, okay, and you're driving on the interstate, okay, but which side, like what decision are you going to make when you, when you're going to, when you're going to get out of the way, okay? So this was a revelation for all of us. We had no idea he was talking about in the presence of a car accident on the interstate, what you're supposed to do. And then he goes on this really, really weird, like talking over himself loop, like some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of Chris Nolan, like tenet reversal inversion thing where he's like, you know, the decision that you do because you're doing the decision is only done by you when you've made that decision because the decision that you're doing is only the decision that you can do. And if you don't make that decision, no one's going to make that decision for you because you have to do that decision. The decision is up to you to you to make. You have to make that decision. And I just raised my hand and I said, I think you're making yourself sound more confusing than you want. And then the room laughed and I felt very good about that. <laughs> But he was an absolute psychopath. I mean, who who suggests like who pitches who pitches that? Give us the checklist of approaching, stopping, and crossing the street. Not mentioning a car accident. Not mentioning how many lanes your your road has or or where you are, and what side of the road you're driving on. Not mentioning that you in this case are you know later he's he's describing like you're alone in a car. And you're approaching an accident that is not controlled by ambulance or police yet. You, you're seeing like a flipped car. He's asking, you know, where do you pull over to? And he wants you to think about, um, you know, getting out of the way safely and like using hazard lights and, you know, getting out of the car with a, with a yellow vest on and putting the little triangle a hundred meters behind the accident. But he, he leaves all of that very essential information out of the question. So for me, it was just like, where, where, like how does he, he wants us to fail this. What kind of trick question bullshit is that? So, and it wasn't even a trick question. It's like if I said, let's say you're watering flowers. How much water does each plant need in order to take in sunlight? Everyone's going to think, 
well, wait, like, does he mean, does he mean that he thinks that a, a plant has to be watered in order to take in sunlight? Because they're always kind of taking in sunlight, right? Or is that a trick question? Does he mean that, does he mean like how much water do you, do you water a plant? Because does he think that like how much water kills the plant maybe? Or does he, does he, did he mention, did he mention what kind of flower it is? I didn't hear what kind of flower. Did you hear what kind of flower? I don't even know what he's talking about. And then he comes back in the room and he's like, if an elephant sits on your chest, you're in an SUV in front of the interstate. And it's just completely unrelated psychobabble. Also, I don't normally make fun of people speaking a second language, but he had a lot of very funny words. I wrote them down. I called them, yeah, Reinholdisms. Um, my favorite mistake that people make when they speak uh, English and this sounds like such a dick move for me to do because I am ultimately always petrified to speak German. But uh, people say idea instead of idea. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if they think that sounds more American because we sure do love them hard R's. I don't know if they think adding an, an R on the end of words that doesn't have an R just makes us go, wow, did you live there? <laughs> <laughs> and then when they say, uh, he said, instead of obey, like obey the laws, he said, obey, um, which is just so nice in your ears when he gets in these, these like tenant loops with words talking about laws that must be obey, like you must obey because the German law makes you obey and you have to obey because in Switzerland you obey this way. And um, he tried to say peripheral vision and he said periferbal, which, which sounds like a very cute pocket animal. And there was one example that I really liked. Um, He was showing a picture on the wall later in the class of, um, yeah, of a car accident and what you do, like where you pull over to approach it, right? It was a picture on the wall. And he says, where should you pull over when you notice the accident? The guy from Morocco behind me goes, oh, that's the same example as before. The teacher goes, mm, good answer. Before the accident is a good place to pull over. That's right. Oh my God, man. He was just... So it was like, you know, eight and a half hours of PowerPoint slides and him rambling in these crazy... He wa- he, uh, he wanted us to... He wanted us to to try and guess like what you should wear if you're crossing the street. Here's my example of of asking that question like a normal person. I would say, "All right guys, let's say that you've noticed an accident on the freeway and you've pulled over, but you'd like to go over there and make sure that everyone's alive or you'd like to inspect the situation as you're calling for an ambulance." Let's just, you know, that's a hypothetical. You've pulled over on the interstate and you want to cross the street. What is an article of clothing you should always try and put on for your safety? I guarantee every single hand in the class is going to go up and say, a reflective vest, a yellow vest, an orange vest, a vest will be the answer. Here's how he did it. He said, let's imagine you've seen a car accident What should you have with you that's a political argument? What's a political argument? A political argument. 
pointing at the window, pointing at the student, pointing at the floor, pointing at the ceiling. What's the political argument? And all of us are going, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Political argument? What are you talking about? And he goes over behind this curtain and he lifts up a big yellow vest over his head and he goes, political argument! Political argument! And none of us have any idea what he's talking about. And we find out like five minutes from then when he rambles off about why it's a political argument that it is a political argument in France. And there's different laws, you know, how many you should have in your car in Germany and Italy and Switzerland and France and and who cares? Who cares? You know, that's not something I'm going to take to bed at night and go, I can't believe it's a political argument. I can't believe that. I'm going to immediately forget this kind of information and just throw a vest in my car. You know, I really, I, I almost lost my mind. I would ask, I would have asked that so, so differently. Oh, man, none of us, you know, there's four Americans in there, you know, and I'm, I'm the first one to, to talk shit on Americans in Europe, but dude, no Americans are going to know about a political dispute in a foreign country unless they're working in politics. And even then, you got to be lucky. You got to find the smart ones. Come on, man. Read the room. There were some cool people in there. There was one girl, very nice. She was pretty young, from, uh, from Boston. And I really wanted her to have that Boston, the Boston, you know, you gotta get in the car kind of accent, but she, she did not. She sounded like me, I guess. And, um, she was very nice. She's, it was crazy. She lived in Belgium and was working as a ballet dancer, like a professional ballet dancer, which is already really impressive. And now she's moved to Munich because she's working at the, at the big, like Munich ballet opera house or whatever. I mean, I'm sure someone listening knows the thing, the place and the thing I'm talking about, but you know, I just know the key words there, but whoa, you know, to get hired in a German ballet, uh, house, you know, or school or whatever. She's a stage performer. And we, we, we followed each other, um, on Instagram. She showed me, um, like the stage and stuff that she's, that she's performing on. And it's really crazy. Um, so, it was nice to meet her. There was another girl from Texas that was very from Texas. Her name is Emily. She did not have an accent, but I'm also going to pretend that she did. And she was very nice. And there was a yeah, very lovely Turkish lady there who told me about her daughter who's going to an American school in Turkey. I didn't even know that existed. And how her daughter's fallen in love with America and, you know, maybe even wants to go to university there. And that was a nice chat. And yeah, there was another, this other American girl. I didn't meet her. She seemed very nice. I kept hearing her kind of chuckle at some of the jokes that I let slip, like under my, under the tongue a little bit. Um, so I assumed that she had a cool sense of humor, but she was, she was quiet and she looked a little, maybe a little conservative. So I didn't, um, I didn't like want to make her uncomfortable. I didn't like approach anyone directly and be like, talk to me. I just let it kind of flow as it went. So, 
Yeah, I was there from 11 until 8.30, and it was just PowerPoint slides. Uh, there was one, okay, I, I know that I'm really, really going on a tangent with this guy, but he showed a picture of a guy laying on the floor with a knife halfway through his back. And, you know, it was a doctored, like, a fake picture, but just for the sake of, like, what do you do in this case? And he showed the picture, and he goes, what should you do in this situation? And I raised my hand and I said, push the knife in all the way and end his misery. <laughs> and the guy started laughing. He was like, oh, all the way. And I was like, he likes that one, huh? I was like, <laughs> I was like, maybe he's killed a few people. And then he was like, no, no, his hands in the air. No, I've never killed anybody. I've never killed anybody. I said, you know, the more you say it, the less we believe you. And then I leaned over and I was like, yeah, he's never killed anybody. Sober. <laughs> Uh, oh, I really had to make myself laugh in that class, man. It was a real, real stiff, real stiff day. And like, just, I was just enjoying these little moments where we could step outside. Ugh. But man, the weather has just been so cold and rainy and I'm so tired of it. Um, Yeah, so we talked about a lot of, a lot of really interesting statistics. Um nothing that's really going to be very captivating for the show. Um, I'm looking to see, oh yeah, that was important for the test, uh, roadside assistance, uh, Rettungsgasse, making like a rescue lane. Yeah, I guess that's basically, I mean, the most interesting thing that came out of my notebook on this class was a very beautiful piece of art that I drew with my pen as I tried to keep myself from killing myself because it was so boring. Um, but yeah. Oh, there was, right, there was this one guy towards the end, I think around like hour seven. So right towards the end, there's this, let me look up exactly what this company is. I think it's like AAA. What is ADAC? It's, okay, there's a company called ADAC, ADAC. It's Europe's largest motoring association it would be more aptly described today as an individual mobility association since it looks more broadly at all transport options ensuring individual mobility. It's its seat... Oh, it's in Munich. They try to translate. It's like, its seat is in Munich. The company's seat is in Munich. Um, Ade Atze, ADAC, ADAC, is... Um, yeah, I think it's like AAA. It's like car support, you know getting your car fixed and towed and stuff and getting your tires fixed and whatever, you know, you get it. And this guy from ADAC came in the room looking like he really didn't belong in a small classroom of foreigners who some were just wearing like sweatpants, you know. This guy comes in, he's got a very, very strong tan for it being such a cold, cloudy past you know, week here or something. It just didn't fit the the vibe at all. He had these big Jeff Goldblum glasses. He was pretty tall, maybe like a little bit taller than me, and he was kind of chubby. And he walked in, you know this look people have when they have like a black dress suit on? I mean, he had like a proper blazer, but under it was just a white t-shirt, which would be okay. But then on top of that white t-shirt was a 
black vest. So he had like the blazer and the vest and the pants as if he was going to his friend's wedding. But the t-shirt kind of killed the whole the whole thing. It just made it look like this is what this guy wears when he's going to a club to try to have sex with people. So it just felt very greasy. And you know what? The it, uh, His shoes were just these blank white sneakers. And I think when people wear suits that are not complete suits, and then on top of that, they wear sneakers with the suit, it just, I don't know, it gives me this kind of grease ball feeling. Like he's not, not trustworthy. And he came in and he took a moment from the, from the teacher and was like, Hey, we're blah, blah, blah. And we do this and blah, blah, blah. And he just kept making fun of us for, for the fact that it's an English speaking class. Like that's kind of almost, if you think about it, it's almost disrespectful to what Reinhold is doing because he's doing one, you know, he has scheduled classes in German and scheduled classes in English because, Hey, guess what? Foreigners drive too. And a lot of people maybe have just moved here and it's just easier to do that and they can still make money and it supports the economy. And hey, go fuck yourself, buddy. Why make fun of a room full of people just trying to learn um, how to not stab people? And so the guy was just like cracking jokes and trying to be super slick. And he was like, he was like, oh, super confident like this. And he was like with his hands in his pocket and he was kind of like squinting and glancing around the room. And then he like, he was kind of like looking up and down this, you know, this young like ballerina girl. And he was like, <laughs> So uh, you don't speak any German? And of course not. She's only been in Munich for a few months. And she was like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't. And he was like, wie geht es dir? Let me ask you again. Wie geht's, girl? Wie geht's? It's like, she doesn't understand what wie geht's means. She doesn't understand. Like, she does. she hasn't had any basic level German yet. So, you know, stop openly flirting with who is probably 18 years old. When you are clearly late 40s, early 50s, it's, it's, it doesn't look good for you. It reflects poorly on ADAC, who I'm sure is a fine establishment. He just like swings his gut around the room with all this confidence. And, and he's just like throwing these packets of like signing up for ADAC. If you do this course and you do this, blah, 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 you get one year free and blah, blah, blah. He's passing all this around. And the whole time that he's he's like weaving through the students, throwing these pens and papers at people, he's like, oh, so a ballerina girl, huh? Where are you from? And she's like, oh, I'm from Boston. And he was like, oh, Boston, huh? Boston, Massachusetts. All right, Boston, man. I would always, always wanted to go there. I was like, motherfucker, you probably don't know where Boston is. And he had this whole kind of like attitude, like he just lingered over there and, it was just very uncomfortable. And in the meantime, mind you, while uh, an obviously much older man is so blatantly flirting with someone who it could very much just be an 18-year-old who just moved here after school, uh, our teacher, Reinhold, is sitting behind his desk shoving a chocolate-covered banana into his mouth as it spills all over his pullover sweater. And I'm sitting there I could not be more disgusted by two men who we should all be seeing as role models, you know? So that was the, yeah, that was just this last, God, this last part of the whole Estee of course story. This fucking, this Reinhold guy, you know, he only ate candy. You'd think someone who works in the medical field and teaches like health and safety all day would have had a normal 
lunch or something. I mean, he had a bag of marshmallows. He had a bag of gummy worms. He had M&Ms. He had Snickers bars. He had Twix bars. He had potato chips. He had a chocolate-covered banana, and he drank three sodas. Why did I keep track of that? Because I am a fat ass. And it still disgusted me, you know? I was, at, I was like, at least I had some some lettuce today or something, man. Like, come on, eat a tomato or an apple or just just mix up mix up something like what you're doing there. Like, don't make it so obvious that you've given up. Maybe that's why the circles around his eyes are so black. He just hasn't had any nutrients in like 20 years. God. He told us that his wife divorced him because in, in German, they call the, the years, like the menopausal years, like the Wechseln, Wechseln, Jahre. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering how to pronounce that today, but basically it means like the exchanging years, like the, the changing, exchanging, like changing your body and exchanging out, you know, whatever. What happens, you know, when you go through menopause? And uh, he was like, and she just, you know, exchanged me. <laughs> oh my God. This guy, man. But... There are some cool things coming. There are some some good things coming. I just have to be more patient. Mm. You know, I'm not patient enough. I think I'm really getting um I think I'm really getting a little crazy right now since um since early September. Um you know, I started really getting um Doubtful about what's, I don't know, what's the best way to phrase that? Started getting a little bit tense with myself and a little bit maybe insecure that um, I'm not going to, you know, make any money this year or get a get a job in the industry like I want and, you know, feeling kind of overwhelmed with, you know, I'm back in German classes now and all this you know, the driving courses are starting and the trying to file for this, you know, file myself as a business thing. And like, does it even make sense? Because I can't even make any money right now. And I'm still like, I'm on unemployment right now. And the whole goal is that I want to be a freelancer and just not have to go back to day jobs. I want that to be my goal as I'm turning 30 to not have to work at cafes anymore because it drives me crazy to do that. At the same time, for the past 15 years, Every single day of my life, I've worked since I was 15 at a day job. I always had limited time. I was always working like 35 to 40 hours someplace, whether it was making sandwiches or delivering furniture or making coffee. Strangely enough, I never worked at a bar. I think that would have suited me better. But still, like I always had limited time. I had to do my job and then I had to find time to for for relationships, you know, for girlfriends I had. And and then on top of that, I still had my my passion, you know, for for making music and for working in in entertainment somehow. And I don't know if that pressure is what what helped drive me where I would get anxious about having such a short amount of time in the day to do something and then I would um really force it in. I don't know, but now that I have all this time, I feel like I also just don't have the projects to work on. You know, I'm, of course I practice things and I'm, I'm open to anything right now, but 
I don't know. I feel like I'm at a place where I really want to get, you know, kind of tight with a, with a composer or something or um, some sort of film agency and, you know, have some sort of continuous like relationship with a company or with um, an entity of some sort that can, you know, divvy out these, these, these projects to work on. I don't know, but I also think that's not totally realistic. And I also think I'm, I'm forgetting that it's, it's the year of Corona and I'm probably just, you know, it's, it's hard to change into freelancing. It, it's, it's, a, it's always a slow start. And especially if I'm trying to start as a like file myself as a business to the state, you know, it's, it's, it's a scary undertaking. It's a lot to take on. You know, this driver's license thing is a lot. Learning German is always a pressure on my, on my back that always scares me. And, um, you know, it's a lot, it is a lot to take in, but I, I have to remember that it's also, it's the year of Corona and I probably just miss my friends from home a lot. I miss my family. I feel kind of separated from everything. Um, there's not as many productions taking place. There's not as many, you know, there's no concerts, um, that, you know, there's no, like, you know, there are some concerts of course, but not like there was and not like I need to make any money or to, to see different cities again. So I think I have to keep that in mind and one thing I started doing was I went to, or no, I opened up my notebook um, not even that long ago, like maybe last week, a little bit. And I wrote down um, like things to not forget about, things that are happening to not forget about. And I think this is going to help me because in the end, all of this stuff is happening in October and that will mean that I just had one really long kind of hard month in September. You know, the thing is for me, I always, I need content to put out. I need things to create and things to share and things to promote and things to, you know, feel good about that I've put out into the world. And the podcast is, is something like that for me, but I am someone who always needs more, you know? And thankfully, some things that are going to come out or th- that I'm working on for October are pretty cool. Here's a few of them. Um, I'm currently working on a um, kind of a duet with my friend Cosma Joy, very talented singer who I've talked about a lot on the show, and she's she sang harmonies on the new record. Um, and we actually have a video together that is on my Instagram, te- Instagram TV and is also on my Facebook. We, we did this Beatles cover song together last June, I think. And now we're going to do a new one, um, one of her songs together. I might have a new project with another artist in Munich who I know for sure some of you listeners do know already. Um, but I don't know if I, if I can really talk about that yet. I can't really talk about who it is yet. It might, the reason is honestly, it might just turn into nothing. It might not happen. And I don't want to get myself hyped up and I don't want to get you hyped up if you like the other artist. So, um, it's something that's possible, but the Cosmo thing is for sure. Um, the other things that are for sure are that over the quarantine, I think, let me think what month that was. 
in, um, I think in March, March or April, when we were in serious lockdown, um, my friend Matt Jackson, otherwise known as Tom Yanks, was finishing up basically a lot of the beats and production for this new album he wanted to put out under his um, under his pseudonym Tom Yanks as a as a hip hop mostly hip hop kind of pop experimental album really cool stuff really cool beats and um he's a great rapper and <clears throat> it's called Bloom the Grinds by Tom Yanks and he's going to drop that the date I think is still let me look I think the date is still October 16th yeah and we're going to start promotion for that um, basically as soon as we can he's making some promo promo material right now and um, really excited to to promote that so we're going to put out some some content and maybe some clips from the songs. And October 16th, you can expect Tom Yanks to drop this great new album, Bloom the Grinds, which has myself on three or four of the songs rapping and singing, which I love that because I haven't put out that side of myself in so long. And I really respect uh, Tom Yanks and the music and the the energy he puts into it and the um, the vibes and... He has a great ear for things and really respect that. And I got to work again with my old time hip hop collaborator, Matt Martinez. If you've never seen Pizza Baby or Chicken Baby, that is a must. <laughs> so we did some rapping on there and some uh, did some singing. That's going to come out. And then, um, you know, I, I also, I keep forgetting that I did this TV show for Portugal and that my friend Basti filmed everything and that we're going to have that. It's coming out in October already. It's crazy. And I'm going to, I asked him if I could have the rights to, you know, use some clips from the show to, um, to post online and to save like a link to. So, you know, finally I can, I can do that. And um, he's going to make a link for me pretty soon where I can download the episode and then make my own little promo clips for that. So I can also, you know, I can put this content out too. And like, I'll be so glad that I got to be on public television in Portugal and, you know, with some, with some musicians that I really respect, um, you know, the Tim Hecking and Giovanni Berg and David Reichert, like these people that I work with a lot. And um, it's good to, get them some new exposure and to also be, be able to do that. So that's also something I have to remember that I can be happy about. Um, and the other, like the last thing that's the most, uh, like the closest upcoming thing is that um, I did four songs with David Reichert for, for those who don't know him, he's the composer for German shows like Hinderfing and Achtage. He did this movie called König Lorin. And he won like the Deutsche Film Prize uh, twice. So pretty, pretty talented guy, got to say. And we did four songs together for the new uh, ZDF Neo show, this new television show coming out called Breaking Even. And um, yeah, this week we're going to, we're going to meet together at his place, me and the singer Sherry, who 
also did some some lyric and some singing work for him. We're going to come together and shoot some promo clips for for him and for this for this TV show, which should be really cool. And we can put that material out and um, you know promote these songs and get them. It's going to be released by Sony Classical, and we can get the um, you know hopefully get some nice return on the streams. I don't know exactly what the situation is with the um, with the publishing. Actually, I need to ask David about that again because his publishing company um, is supposed to send me a new agreement because I don't actually know what my percentage is going to be on these streams. But it's cool because um, this will be the first songs that we did for TV soundtrack that will actually have my name next to his. So you can actually see the shared, um, the shared credit, which is really cool. Um, cause in previous shows, I don't know if maybe that wasn't an option, but, um, but now this is really cool. So I have to keep all that in mind and, you know, I'm branching out to try and get some new projects with some friends back in America because I can work remotely now. And I'm really happy about that. And of course, we have the new single coming out the day before my birthday in November. And there's always things to get done for that. So I think I just need to get out of this um, this little mental funk, you know, and appreciate that maybe I'm not doing a lot of things right now that make me very happy, that make me a lot of money or something. But I am always staying busy and I am still doing things that are important you know, this driving school thing and the German, of course, this filing for a business thing, it's all, it's all important, you know, and maybe that's just part of getting older is just doing things that you have to separate from, from joy and maybe see them as responsible things that will help with joy in the future. You know, if my German's better then that will cause, that will ease a lot of the tension and stress I have in the future. If I can finally get my driver's license here, then I can finally just go on drives again. Go on drives with friends. Just go anywhere. Arm out the window. Blasting music. Driver's choice this time. It's going to be great, you know? That's such a sense of freedom I haven't really had in a while, and I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm filing for a business, you know, when things pick up and maybe we get this job with this, maybe we get a job with the TV show, you know, next year, who knows, you know, I'm doing a lot of things with, with Efi right now and trying to get some ideas off the ground and yeah, you never know what can happen. So, and I honestly, you'll never know what can happen next year with any project. So maybe being filed as a business is going to help, you know, make everything a little easier and a little bit more like, put into their perfect place. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically, I think uh, all I've really got for today. I wanted to talk about this absolutely insane <laughs> first aid course that I went to. Um, and let's see, did I write anything else down here? Yeah. I want to make that correction. First aid course, the ADAC guy. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned in October for a lot of cool promo. Like I said, a lot of cool things coming out. The Portuguese TV show, the hip-hop album, the soundtrack with Sony, with David. And I think the same way that I had to do it with myself, 
Mm. The same way that I had to do it with myself, I would encourage, um, because I think probably a lot of musicians and artists are feeling the same way that I am right now, which is probably a lull, a shake, a grind, a flattening, and comes in waves. Probably also, I'm really terrible with cloudy weather. I get very depressed and very anxious and, and when it's just cloudy and cold for like four days in a row. Um, I'm making excuses, but basically I th- what I'm trying to say is that I think that it's okay that I'm like this sometimes. And I have to kind of forgive myself for that and not feel so guilty for it. It's okay. It's okay to feel uneasy because it's not permanent and it's okay to feel anxious because it's not permanent. And you can, you can allow yourself a day of that and you can forgive yourself of that as long as you are careful about putting that negative energy onto other people. But as long as you understand that it's not permanent and I know that things are going to pick up again, like I have this urge and I have this this desire to educate myself in, you know, more in the music industry and educate myself more in the, you know, the Munich television and, and film industries. And, you know, when I, when I'm able to see more people again and network again to make, you know, more impressions on people and to hopefully spread more of the word about this podcast and spread more of the word about what I can hopefully offer to people and, If there's anything that I really hope I genuinely offer to the people who listen to this show regularly is I hope I offer you honesty and I hope that you feel that I'm trying to come from a good place 99% of the time and that um, I really appreciate those who who listen and and you know that that I just want you to laugh and I want to maybe teach you something about some interesting people who... um, who I get to, I'm so lucky to be able to talk to from, from all around the world. And, um, yeah. So this is a funk and I'm going to snap out of it and maybe it's over tomorrow. Maybe I get some great news. Um, I actually got good news today that, um, this, that's funny. I got some good news today that this song, um, my song, most famous surprise is going to be featured on, um, a Spotify playlist from this great um, curation channel called Mahogany, which has a great um, YouTube following and a great Spotify following. And um, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, That's one of my favorite, you know, singer-songwriter tunes. And, you know, it's a good love song. And uh, that one had some cool, cool opportunities this year, which is funny because really tried to get all those songs uh, in all those things two years ago, but you never know. Sometimes people people just check out the backlogs <laughs> uh, when you have a new single or something. So I'm thankful for it either way. And um, for those who don't have Spotify or Apple Music, maybe they um, can't afford it. I've just today, so by the time you listen to this, I've officially put the Crooked Rail on my SoundCloud for free just to listen to. Um, it's soundcloud.com slash Jordan Prince Music. And we can put that link in the description. I'll just put that in there. And that's right. 
um, take care and remember that it's okay. It's going to be okay. There's a great picture I saw from my friend Kristen a few days ago that said, it's not you. It's 2020. (laughs) And that's totally right. And um, yeah, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Actually, I I feel really, it feels true to me just to say it out loud. And maybe I just don't do that enough. So um, look forward to the promo from the Portuguese show coming out, the hip hop album coming out, the soundtrack coming out. Um, Thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me that you guys give me an hour or sometimes more of your, of your week, every week. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, and please give us a nice rating. It really helps people find our show. And maybe, if you love us, please tell some friends, even just on word of mouth, because you have no idea how much that can really, really help a a small show like this. So, um please give us a share. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions or you you or someone you know is an RC Fartsy immigrant and you'd like to get interviewed for the show or you think someone would be a good guest, um, hit us up at podcast at m945.de or you can DM us directly on Instagram at artsyfartsyimmigrants. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I love you and it's going to be okay. Look out, baby, the saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M945.